Hello and welcome to another episode of A Better Self Daily Show, show dedicated to one thing to learn and apply to live as a better self daily. I'm your host, Angela Sharina from Create Yourself That Today, your personal trainer, your health coach, your weight loss coach, your nutritionist, your fellow biohacker, and just someone with a lot, a lot of passion for healthy living, healthy lifestyle, uh, healthy food, longevity, and everything and anything in between. Today, I'm very excited to... Um, introduce you to a longer uh, episode, another longer episode of A Better Self Daily Show with amazing guest uh, that you must know if you're interested in high-intensity interval training, any kind of interval training, uh, if you're interested in uh, efficient and effective cardio that benefits your um, health, your fitness, and your life performance. Um, Today, joining me, um, the guest of our show uh, is Dr. Martin Gibala, who is a professor and chair of the Department of Kinesiology at McMaster University at Hamilton, Ontario. He studies the integrative physiology of exercise at the molecular and body level, uh, including the impact of training and nutrition on human health and performance. Dr. Gibala's research on the physiological adaptations to interval training has attracted immense scientific attention and worldwide media coverage. Uh, Dr. Martin Gibala uh, is the guy who made high-intensity interval training so uh, worldwide known. Um, Dr. Martin Gibala authored over 100 peer-reviewed articles, uh, the result of which were in some form or another um, published and featured in New York Times, CNN, NBC Nightly News, Today, Time, and many, many other uh, media outlets. Gibala's science communication efforts include a best-selling book, The One Minute Workout, that uh, was published in 2017, and this book I have, I love, and used to design uh, my high-intensity interval workouts, um, so get it. Uh, if you're into high-intensity interval training and want to get uh, maximum out of your uh, cardio workouts. So, without further ado, um, let's start this amazing uh, episode where you're going to learn all you want and need to learn about high-intensity interval training. Martin, welcome to A Better Self daily show. Thank you for joining me today for our fascinating fitness and health performance enhancing conversation about the the workout of today that everyone can stop talking about. And I'm of course talking about high intensity interval training. So welcome to the show, Martin. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. So let's just start talking about it right away. Um, you are the world-known expert on the subject, and a lot of people are actually getting confused about what it is exactly, high-intensity interval training, and how to do it, to actually do it. Uh, so can you tell our listeners, uh, what is high-intensity interval training? What does a workout should look like? 
Yeah, let's just start with interval training, which is really just intermittent exercise. So alternating periods of more intense effort separated by periods of recovery, and that recovery can be complete rest or it can be lower intensity exercise. But the basic hallmark is the intermittent pattern of the activity. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, And what about the high intensity part? Yeah, and this is where you can make things very complex. And of course, if you're a high performance athlete, you need to worry to the nth degree about the specific nature of the intervals and how you determine intensity, whether you use heart rate or lactate or perceived exertion or percent VO2 max. Uh, How many series of intervals are you doing? What type of recovery are you doing? Uh, What's the mode of interval exercise? And so certainly from a performance standpoint, you can make this extremely complex. But I think for most individuals, you can really divide interval training into three types. And the first is very gentle interval training. We may get into this, but there's even research showing, for example, that if people with type 2 diabetes do interval walking, so they just pick up the pace a little bit and then back off, it's actually better for them than just continuous steady state walking for improving their blood sugar control and their fitness, uh, even though the average intensity is only around 60 or 65% of maximum heart rate. So for a lot of people, that doesn't even qualify as high-intensity interval training, uh, and but just that gentle interval training can be, can be quite effective for people. Um, normally, we split interval training into one of two broad categories. The first is high-intensity interval training, and the threshold or the cutoff tends to be around 80% of maximum. So uh, when you're doing the the intervals, you're typically achieving 80% of maximal heart rate or higher, but the intensity is still submaximal, so it's not an all-out pace. So uh, high-intensity interval training or HIIT, the threshold or cutoff tends to be 80% of maximum, but not all-out maximal. And that's distinguished from sprint interval training or sit, where the intensity is indeed all out as hard as you can go, or for measuring power output, it's typically at a a value that would exceed an individual's uh, VO2 max. And you're seeing a move, at least scientifically, to broadly try and distinguish interval training into one of two types, hit or sit. Although, as I said from the outset, even interval walking can be quite effective. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about the type of workout. So can what can be done as a high intensity or in just interval training? Uh, what kind of what types of workouts is it like sprinting or uh, doing cycle cycling intervals or maybe a whole body workouts or all of it? Uh, all of it. So interval training can be applied certainly to any traditional cardio style of workout. So whether it's running or cycling or elliptical or stair climbing or rowing uh, and interval training can also be applied in a body weight style manner. So for some individuals, that's just circuit training, but certainly there's been renewed interest in body weight style interval training uh, as a means to boost both strength as well as uh, endurance Obviously, Tabata would be the most famous style of uh, bodyweight style interval training, uh, but you know that's one specific protocol. So the Tabata protocol is obviously very specific, um, and interval training can be applied more generally in a, in a bodyweight style manner. 
Uh, and does it matter how long the actual intervals are, or people just can uh, suit them to their like fitness levels and uh, yeah, and what they're trying to achieve? Yeah, again, here's where it depends. Obviously, if you're the high-performance athlete or training for a very specific goal, you can make things quite complex. But I think for most individuals, it, it doesn't really matter. And and one of the beauties of interval training is is its infinite variety. Uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with traditional cardio, uh, as shown in the public health guidelines. But there's only so many ways you can jump on a treadmill and jog at a moderate pace for 45 minutes or an hour. But with intervals, you can vary it up so dramatically. And I think, um, you know, one of our approaches is let's just give people more exercise choices, more menu options to choose from. And hopefully that helps individuals stave off boredom. And, you know, the, the, the more different ways you can challenge the body, likely the, the greater return on the investment. Yeah, uh, definitely true. So, uh, but uh, I wanted also to ask, what are like the core benefits of high-intensity interval training, uh, and um, in particular compared to uh, usual cardio training without intervals? Like, yeah, it saves time, obviously. Why, for example, I love it. Uh, what are the other benefits? Yeah, and so I, I think here, even when you're making the comparison, the question is, are you making that what I call the apples to apples comparison? So if we take a given dose of exercise uh, and you apply it in an interval or a traditional steady state manner, I think there's a lot of evidence that the improvements and adaptations you'll see are better with intervals. So we're talking about your cardiorespiratory fitness or your cardio health. If you compare the same amount of exercise, one done in an interval manner and one done with continuous, I think the boost in your fitness is going to be greater uh, with the intervals. There's also emerging evidence that the improvement in health-related markers, so your blood pressure and your blood sugar and things like that, can be improved to a greater extent uh, with, with intervals. Now, that's a different question from what if we take a really small dose of intervals and a much larger amount of the traditional approach. Uh, that's what I call the apples to oranges comparison, where you're deliberately comparing amounts that are not the same. And that's where the time efficiency of intervals comes through to elicit similar uh, benefits. So, um, you know, it, it really depends how you're making that comparison. If it's the apples to apples, the adaptations to my mind are greater, or you can get comparable adaptations with less time investment uh, with uh, with intervals, and that's demonstrated now quite clearly, I think, scientifically. Yeah, I mean, uh, when I read your book, uh, the one minute workout, uh, I was really inspired uh, because of the health benefits. Because there are so many of high intensity tra uh, training in particular, but yeah, also because it, for me personally, I don't like doing uh, longer workouts. And uh, what I noticed for me personally that my cardiovascular fitness actually improved much faster and much more than uh, what I would uh, get from traditional cardio training. So uh, I love high intensity interval training for that. Uh, a lot of people who are listening to this podcast, I in particular interested in weight loss and how high intensity interval training can help with that. You know, I, I think here's where we have to appreciate, and I'm sure you certainly and many of your listeners would would know that the 
the main driver there is nutrition. And so it's much easier, obviously, to control weight loss, weight management, body composition through the energy inside of the equation, what we put in our mouth, rather than trying to burn calories through exercise. Uh, that being said, obviously, exercise can play a role in, in weight management. Uh, and intervals can be a time-efficient way to burn calories. So we've shown in our lab, for example, that a 20-minute hit session produces the same calorie burn over 24 hours as a longer endurance workout that takes 50 uh, minutes. Mm -hmm. So it's like the other benefits that we've been speaking of. Intervals can be a time efficient way to sort of get there faster. But I think it's important that we don't overstate the potential role of intervals in calorie burning and weight loss uh, because uh, you know, I, th I think that just gets people uh, frustrated. You know, you can look on the internet and obviously a lot of personal trainers talk about the afterburn effect mm -hmm. or this idea of a heightened rate of calorie burning in recovery. It's definitely real and definitely the afterburn is greater the more intense the preceding exercise. So you get greater afterburn with intervals. That's definitely true, but it's important not to overstate that. And the, the size of the afterburn, if you look at graphs on the internet, for example, is, is often uh, uh, very, uh, very overstated. Uh, what about fat burning effect of high intensity interval training? Are there some studies or, um, I don't know, just uh, maybe case studies uh, or feedback about high intensity interval training compared to regular uh, cardio training and how it affects fat burning and uh, muscle preservation? Uh. Yeah, let's tackle the first one, fat burning. Uh, again, certainly, and we've shown this our lab, we, you know, we measure some of these enzymes that are responsible for fat burning in muscle. So the literally the enzymes that play a role in, in, in burning fats when you exercise. And these enzymes are elevated when you do interval training, and they're elevated to um, a greater extent if you do a large amount of, of interval training as compared to the continuous approach, or you can do less intervals and get a similar improvement. So again, that's a similar theme that we've been talking about um, all already. Um, and you know, people will say, well, how can these short bursts of exercise be so effective because they're over very quickly? And it's true that the, the rate of calorie burning when you're doing the interval workout itself uh, tends to be lower because they're very short. But what we see in recovery is one, this afterburn effect, as we just talked about. And also you see a, a, a change or a switch in terms of where the fuel is coming from. It's very carbohydrate based during the actual intervals. But during recovery, it sort of switches and you tend to have a greater use of fat during recovery. And so those things uh, both can contribute to the fat burning benefits that we associate with interval training. But again, I'd, I'd really stress that we can't overstate the magnitude of the effect. And it, it's, um, you know, people are kidding themselves if they think they can only do a few minutes of exercise, interval exercise a week and have dramatic uh, weight loss and dramatic changes in body composition. It, it's just not going to work. Yeah, diet is the first tool there. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and what about muscle preservation? Of does it affect uh, any different uh, muscles, the high-intensity interval training compared to regular cardio? 
Yeah. So if we're talking sort of muscle building or strength based work or hypertrophy, I, I think there the type of intervals are important. So if you do traditional cardio style intervals, uh, you know, we've measured this in the lab. You don't see big activation of the pathways that are responsible for muscle growth and you don't see marked changes in muscle fiber size or hypertrophy. But if you do bodyweight style interval training or you apply heavy resistance type exercise, then yes, it can be definitely um, effective. Uh, for muscle building and uh, and strength gain. So again, it depends a little bit on the, the type of interval training. Generally, cardio style interval training is not going to lead to uh, significant uh, muscle building. The caveat there may be in very deconditioned individuals or older individuals um, who may be able to see some some strength benefit from uh, cardio style intervals. So you be you know if you're starting from a low starting point. Um, almost any sort of exercise is going to help you do both of those things. But uh, for most people, you got to do bodyweight style or, or weightlifting type intervals in order to see uh, marked uh, strength and hypertrophy. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, well, what about cravings uh, and high-intensity interval training? There is some information on the Internet uh, that high-intensity interval training helps to actually reduce hunger and cravings, and that's how it can also help people to lose weight. Yeah, I think right now you can sort of cherry pick the science. So there would be evidence on both sides, but certainly is a line of work that's showing some of the appetite control hormones and that are uh, differentially affected or they change differently when you do interval compared to continuous exercise. Um, and so there would be some evidence to suggest that maybe uh, appetite and that is, is suppressed after more intense exercise. But again, you could equally find some science on the other side. And, and so I think that's definitely a, a really interesting and important area of work. Uh, but we have to learn a lot more. And like a lot of things when it comes to exercise and diet, it's highly individualized. And so, you know, I can test 100 people in my lab and talk about average changes, but there's going to be people on either ends of, of the spectrum, some who might not change very much at all and some who might change a lot. And, and so some people could do an interval workout and actually get very hungry after and eat more, whereas a number of others, their appetite may be suppressed. And so that's, you know, it's always challenging sometimes to come up with these generic guidelines because all of us, of course, are, are so different in our responses. Yeah, I mean, it's like with every statistic, they take average, but there is like no average. <laughs> Everyone is somewhere yeah. at the end of the spectrum. Exactly. And that's, you know, where hopefully between you and your trainer, you sort of start to figure out what works for you and you can design a program uh, individually. Yeah. Um, let's continue talking about high intensity interval training and uh, performance. Like, in particular, I'm interested. Um, in talking about how high-intensity interval training can help athletes uh, and people who are into more serious training. And there are usually two types of people who are into strength building and muscle building. We talked a little bit about that already. And then endurance sport. So like, for example, training for a marathon or something like a triathlon. Uh, yeah, I'll start with the latter because definitely there's more evidence around that. I, I think any serious endurance athlete is going to be practicing interval exercise uh, training. Uh, there's clearly lots of science to show that various interval uh, style workouts, even short repeated sprints. So, um, you know, uh, middle distance runners and endurance athletes can benefit from short, hard sprints that last maybe 30 seconds or so if they do that repeatedly. Um, but there's all sorts of, you know, con considerations there. But suffice to say, uh, endurance performance 
can definitely be uh, potentiated or improved owing to interval exercise training. Most coaches and athletes will still recommend a traditional split of about 80-20, so 80% traditional cardio style workouts and 20% intervals to maximize performance. I think that consideration might be different if people are quite time pressed. And so if, you know, it's one thing to talk about an elite athlete who that's all they do is train. They don't worry about a job or a normal working life that many of us have. Uh, the considerations are different. If you're an individual who's, you know, the classic weekend warrior who's who's trying to optimize, you know, they're a serious athlete trying to enhance their performance, but they have very limited time to train. I think you can make a case for those individuals that that 80-20 mix is going to change. And, and I would advocate a higher percentage of intervals uh, for those individuals to, to maximize performance. Uh, when it comes to hypertrophy, uh, there's just less evidence out there. I think uh, body weight style interval training in that is fine, but obviously if you're looking for strength and power, you need to put in serious time uh, in, in the weight room, whether that's power, you know, and, and obviously training for power lifting and, and uh, hypertrophy uh, is, is quite different. Um, and I would say, you know, the, the interval training that we're talking about is less commonly applied uh, to those uh, sports and events other than, you know, almost any style of weightlifting is interval-based in nature because you have these short, very vigorous efforts, and then you have uh, several minutes of recovery in between uh, sets and that. Um, I'm a lot into, like, muscle building, bodybuilding scene, and uh, uh, what would you recommend to people who are trying to cut? Like, they already build the muscle, and then they want to, you know, cut the body fat. Like, what's the from your perspective or maybe research the most effective method to cut body fat? Yeah, it's sort of the holy grail, isn't it? Preserve muscle or increase it further while you're burning uh, fat and losing yeah. fat mass. Um, I would point to the work of my colleague, Dr. Stuart Phillips, who's a very active researcher in the area of muscle hypertrophy, both for young, healthy individuals, but he also does a lot of work in, in aging individuals. Um, he's shown in his studies that it's possible to do just that. So uh, he's done studies for example, um, on individuals showing that you can have a calorie deficit. So these people are in a negative energy balance. They're, they're losing weight, but the combination of heavy resistance exercise, heavy weightlifting, and higher protein intakes can help to uh, preserve lean muscle. That's not to say that people need to go on radically high uh, protein diets, but the advice would be increasing your protein intake during a period of energy deficit while you're doing heavy resistance exercise or weightlifting is the optimal strategy, I think, to try and preserve uh, lean muscle while you're also having um, fat loss. So the cardio aspect doesn't matter that much as I understand, right? It's more about nutrition. Well, I think the first thing is energy balance, right? And yeah. you can you can manipulate energy balance as we've talked about, both through the diet and exercise, and and the diet plays a big role there. I, you know, I I think for um, individuals uh, who are into weightlifting, strength uh, strength and power building, I, I would you know I think intervals, cardio intervals, can be effective for them because generally they don't like to spend much time doing it, um, and obviously you lessen the potential to lose the benefits of strength training because there, there is something to the idea of this interference effect that people talk about and, and there's evidence to show that if you do a prolonged endurance uh, exercise bout 
and then you follow that with resistance exercise, um, there, you may hinder the gains in, in strength and, and size, and that's known as the interference effect. Um, that may not be as pronounced if people do these short, vigorous cardio interval workouts. And so I, I think for two reasons, both the time as well as the minimizing any loss doing to your aerobic training, that intervals can be a good choice for those individuals. Okay, that makes it clear. Um, why uh, you're, as I said, world known expert on high intensity interval training? Uh, why, Martin, did you decide to dedicate uh, so much of your time and your work uh, to researching that particular type of training? Yeah, yeah, for two reasons, and I, I talk about this in the book. Um, you know, when I first came to my university, McMaster, like a lot of people, I was a busy uh, individual. You know, I had a lot of professional demands, but uh, my wife is a you know I had a working spouse, and we had young children, and so quite ironically, for a professor of exercise physiology, I, I found myself with little time to exercise. Um, so that was sort of the personal challenge. And professionally, I used to teach a course, I still teach it to this day, called the Integrative Physiology of Human Performance. And my students are always interested in the training regimes of elite athletes. And certainly one thing I've come to appreciate is, you know, there's nothing new about interval training. Uh, Middle distance athletes have been winning Olympic gold medals for more than a century by using this approach. And so I thought, you know, wow, if this is so effective for, for athletes, maybe I can adopt it on my own. And so that's really led to um, a career now that's gone almost 20 years studying different interval training approaches, what's the most time efficient exercise strategies, uh, who can benefit the most. You know, we do these very basic mechanistic studies and we do very applied studies in, in people with type 2 diabetes. But it was both a personal and a professional interest that uh, led to it. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, yeah, you mentioned uh, busy lifestyle and just uh, time de- well, work demands, uh, life demands, uh, uh, and I think that's going to be even like more, more and more popular these days when people are, you know, nobody has time to to, to do anything uh, these days. So, um, whenever, wherever people uh, can save time, uh, getting fitter, healthier, it's uh, yeah, it's just going to get uh, more, yeah, more popular, I guess, among people. So. That's yeah, absolutely. Else. And, you know, I, I think also, uh, you know, obviously many of your listeners, I'm sure, are very serious athletes and, you know, they obviously want to go to a gym or to work out and, you know, there's specialized equipment that they can benefit from. But I think also we need to free ourselves of this notion that exercise is only putting on the spandex, driving or taking the bus or walking to the gym and then training out uh, there. There's lots of ways to incorporate interval training into your day, whether it's simple things like taking the stairs or breaking up prolonged sitting while you're working at your computer with a series of air squats. And we just know how beneficial that is for you. So the, the more we can break up our sedentary style of living with uh, with some movement, it, it's a good thing. And, and I think interval training provides more options for you to do that. Uh, there's even this concept now known as exercise snacking, where there's work showing that actually breaking up your exercise into shorter, more frequent periods through the day may actually be better for you than sort of saving all of your exercise up uh, at, at one time and doing it as a single dose. And that's even for things like blood pressure and blood sugar control. So, you know, the, the more breaks uh, with activity that you can do through the day, uh, the better, uh, regardless of what your normal exercise training actually involves. 
Yeah, I even talked to Joan Bernica. She's a former director of NASA Life Sciences Department, and she said exactly the same thing, that the best form of exercise, actually, not so much even the exercise, but it's just keeping yourself active and not sitting more than 30 minutes, uh, taking breaks, like going for a walk or doing a squat or a stretch or something. That's the best practice of the healthiest and longest living people. Yeah, you know, there's evidence even to show like, and many of us don't like to hear this, like, you know, a lot of us who are busy, if you're an academic, you tend to work a lot on a computer. And so personally, I tend to, you know, save my exercise up, and then I go and do it. That's probably not as good for me as if I was doing that as well as trying to break up my exercise through the day. So even myself, you know, on my own monitor on my risk, I have it set so that it reminds me to get up and just walk around a little bit. Or as I say, I, I it's not uncommon for me to get up from my desk and sort of do 10 air squats just to try and get the muscle contraction. So the more that you can do that, the better, regardless of your normal exercise uh, routine. And especially if you're someone who sits a lot through the day and then just sort of saves your workout all for uh, for one period of time. Yeah, that's what I uh, do. Like, that's what my personal practice is. I do exercise every single day, but then I also, uh, uh, every 30 minutes or so, I just make sure that I do some kind of movement. And it doesn't have to be exercise, just uh, walk, stand up, stretch, anything. Exactly. It's a good approach. Yeah. And speaking about personal practice, what's your personal practice when it comes to yeah working out, high-intensity interval training, etc.? Yeah. So I I, uh, I can't run anymore. I have uh, osteoarthritis in my left knee owing to an old running injury. And so my go-to cardio exercise is cycling. Now, uh, in the uh, summer and spring and fall, I, I ride outside a, a lot. I have a cycle cross bike and we have lots of nice trails and uh, some uh, hills where we live. So it's, it's quite good for that. In the winter, though, you know, today I think it's minus 10 outside or it was yesterday. Um, you know, I my cycling is is indoors and I, I find it very boring to just get on a bike and ride at a moderate pace. And so virtually all of my cardio style training, especially in the winter, is interval based uh, cycling. Uh, I also play ice hockey, which is not uncommon in Canada. And that, of course, you know, many team sports uh, are just examples of, of interval training. And then in between that, I do uh, both bodyweight style interval training as well as just, you know, core fundamental uh, lifting. Um, I have a squat rack in my basement, a power rack. And so, you know, that's uh, quite functional, of course. And so it's a lot of uh, uh, cleans and, uh, again, fun hopefully uh, high functional uh, movement. Uh, as I've gotten older, I worry less about beach workouts and it, it more becomes uh, functional training to uh, hopefully have uh, a high quality of life as, uh, as I age. Yeah, I mean, it's probably the best approach for uh, most of the people out there, actually, you know, doing functional training and doing some uh, high-intensity interval training. Uh, Agreed. Yeah, so thank you for sharing your practice. Uh, and uh, is there anything else you'd like to share with um, our listeners uh, about high-intensity interval training or any kind of training about healthy lifestyle? Yeah, I guess, you know, one of the things we haven't touched on is the area of risk. And, and so certainly here, I think there's two messages. The, the first is 
obviously for anyone who's going to start or change their workout uh, routine, it is important, I think, to be checked by a physician. We don't need to be, certainly we shouldn't be afraid of exercise and we don't need to be afraid of vigorous exercise. The the greater risk to your long-term health, of course, is just remaining uh, sedentary and not doing anything. Uh, but especially as we start to age, uh, you know, anyone above 40, there may be some sunder, silent underlying factors there. And on an individual level, uh, your physician is going to be in the best um, position to assess your suitability for different types of exercise. That being said, I really want to stress people don't need to be afraid of intervals and it can be properly scaled to any starting fitness level. Often in my presentations, I will show this graph and it shows a coronary heart disease patient and an Olympic athlete. And they're both doing the exact same interval workout that's four four-minute efforts at 95% of their maximal heart rate. Now, of course, the individual absolute workload is very different between these two individuals, but the relative challenge to their physiology and their body is, is quite similar. And there's just overwhelming science now that intervals can be effectively applied to people with heart disease and older individuals and people with diabetes and metabolic syndrome. Of course, there's certain conditions where interval training uh, is totally unsuited for, but I would suggest it's a it's a very small segment of the population. So at the individual level, get checked, especially as you start to age, uh, but people don't need to be afraid of intervals by any means. Yeah, just I guess uh, with uh, like with any kind of training, you just got to... Uh estimate your like personal individual situation and do what makes sense and then adjust your workouts uh, suited to your fitness levels and your health uh, situation exactly and be smart you know some people have this notion that interval training is only this sort of all out as hard as you can go and so that turns a lot of people off and we never suggest that someone who's very sedentary or a heart patient would just get off the couch and start pedaling a bike as hard as they can. And then so our common advice to people is just get out of your comfort zone. So whether wherever you are right now in your fitness, um, you know, just get out of your comfort zone, push it a little bit. And that's a way to at least start to get into uh, interval exercise. And of course, as I said at the outset, you can make this as complicated as you want, but you really don't need to make it that complicated either. Yeah, thank you for clearing that out because uh, personally me, I actually thought that high-intensity interval training, it's all out like intervals and then you rest uh, and recover. No, and, you know, certainly what we try to do in the book is, you know, give different examples of interval workouts going from interval walking, which is that beginner workout that I talked to, to the one-minute workout, which really comes from studies we've done of people doing three 20-second all-out very vigorous efforts. And it's, it's a sliding scale. You know, the more intense you're able and willing to work, it would appear that the less total duration of exercise you can get away with and still uh, reap health benefits. And, of course, that's why it's so attractive for a lot of people because the main reason that people cite for not exercising is lack of time. Clearly, it's an excuse for some people, but lots of us, as you allude to, uh, lead very busy time-pressed lives, and I think intervals offer a way to, uh, to to fit exercise into your life a little easier. Yeah, that's what I love. them short but uh, effective and uh, painful a lot of times but for me. <laughs> <personally>. even, 
you know, just to touch very briefly on that, uh, in terms of people who study behavior and exercise and health psychology, there's quite a raging debate right now. Uh, you know, on the one hand, people say, well, if exercise is, is more vigorous, it's uncomfortable, it hurts, people don't like it, they're unwilling to do it. But there's certainly evidence to show that people are willing to make that trade off. And if they can get away with less total exercise, they're more than willing to put up with that temporary discomfort. Uh, and some people actually rate uh, the enjoyment of this type of exercise better. So again, highly individualized, do what you like, because the best exercise for you is what you enjoy, and you're more likely to stick with it over the long term. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, just see what works for you and do it. Uh, thank you, Martin, for uh, for your time and sharing uh, all this amazing information, clearing out the picture for people what high-intensity interval training is, um, how to do it, why should, why they should do it. Um, more information, more science about the training, more examples, many more examples of workouts. People, of course, can find in your book, The One Minute Workout. Uh, I have it. I love it. I always like look up different kind of intervals or trainings for my high-intensity interval training. So the one-minute workout, people can get it anywhere where books are sold. And again, thank you for your time and your research and your work. It makes a huge difference for many people. Well, Angela, I really appreciate the opportunity to be on your show and uh, appreciate the opportunity just to talk with you about uh, interval training. Yeah, thank you. Uh, have a great day and uh, we'll stay in touch. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Okay, so we are done recording. Thank you, Martin. Yeah, great. I appreciate you reaching out, like I say, and uh, and this opportunity. Look forward to, uh, you know, and, and obviously appreciate the work uh, you're doing. Obviously, I only know you through uh, Twitter a little bit, but it uh, looks like, you know, you're you're big on basically inspiring people to uh, to sort of be their best, do their do their own thing, and uh, provide a lot of practical tips for them. So uh, that's that's great, and I think this podcast is a, is a great idea as well, and hopefully at least a few people might uh, find it beneficial. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you for your kind words. I'm just trying to help as many people as possible to understand the simple science of being healthy, being fit, uh, eating healthy, because there is so much information, and I just want to simplify it, I guess, for people. Awesome. Well, hopefully this will help them a little bit, and uh, thanks again for your interest. Uh, keep in touch, and uh, really nice to chat with you today. Yeah, thank you. Uh, okay. Stay in touch. Bye. Thank you. Bye now.